0: You can either work in the business or you can work on the business. They have the knowledge and the skill to be successful. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow has yet to come. Dive all in on the next chapter of your life. Welcome to the ProServe Podcast with Collective 54, a podcast for founders and leaders of boutique professional services firms. For those that are not familiar with us, Collective 54 is the first mastermind community dedicated entirely to helping you grow, scale, and maybe someday exit your boutique. My name is Greg Alexander. I'm the founder, and I will be your host today. On this episode, I'm going to talk to you about how to build a firm that is not dependent on you for its success. But we've got an interesting twist. We're going to do this from the perspective of the president, the person that you as the founder have entrusted your firm with, to run the operation and we have a fantastic role model today her name is amy piles amy it's good to see you thanks for being here
1: thanks so much for having me i'm glad to be here
0: would you mind uh introducing yourself and your firm and what it is that you guys do
1: absolutely so like i said i'm amy piles i am the president of saxum we are a marketing and PR agency based out of Oklahoma City, um, but we work with clients all over the US, um, helping them balance um, purpose and profit and just communicate their story well.
0: Okay, fantastic. For those that are regular listeners, the word Saxum will sound familiar. Uh, one of our members, Renzi Stone, was a featured guest role model for us uh, on this show several months ago, and he shared his story of how he built a firm that isn't dependent on him. He built a firm that has an executive leadership team where it's about the firm, not an individual. In addition, if you're reading my new book, The Founder Bottleneck, How to Scale Yourself, you'll see in section three where we provide 10 role model examples. Renzi's story is documented in greater depth there as well. So I would draw you to those two resources. But Amy, we're gonna talk today about you know, from the perspective of the president, um, you know, the the number two, for lack of a better term. And it's an interesting perspective and it's an interesting challenge working with an entrepreneur. And I am one and I know how hard that can be. So I'd love to hear from you kind of when this happened, why it happened and kind of like what was your first, I don't know, 90 days like? <laughs>
1: Yeah, good questions. Um, So I've been with the firm for about seven years now. Um, So it's been a progression. It wasn't an overnight um, discussion. It wasn't an overnight, um, you were this and now you have these responsibilities. So that'd be the first thing I'd say. So the first 90 days weren't all that different because we had been working together together towards different responsibilities and giving me exposure to different elements of the business. And we do have a really great leadership team in place. So it wasn't like the baton was only passed to me to go figure that out. It'd been a journey of setting up um, a really great structure um, so that Renzai could take on different things, Um, but also to make sure I was ready to step into this role and have the right level of just experience and mentorship over the past seven years to prepare me for this.
0: Yep. You know, I advocate for this approach, which I call, or I don't call, it's known as Grow Your Own. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that I mention this to those that are listening. The success rate and the numbers on this are pretty clear. The success rate is much higher when you're passing the baton internally to someone who is a great culture fit, someone who has earned it versus making an external hire because small boutique services firms, they're very unique things. The cultures are very strong. Um, They're people, businesses, fit matters a lot. And I've seen several times where an external hire that was highly competent come into a firm and it doesn't go so well. And usually that's because this external hire feels the need to come in and change things. Well, sometimes things don't need to be changed. <laughs> sometimes they just need to be tweaked or they need to be done more efficiently or what have you. But you know, the firm is successful and handing the baton over to an internal person is really is is really good. So Amy, you talked about how you had been getting ready for this. So the first ninety days wasn't really a major departure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'd love to hear more about how you got ready for this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So when I started with the firm, um, this wasn't necessarily the progression that I joined for or that we thought I would take. Um, I joined in the delivery side, so I was leading our, our digital services. So I immediately got good exposure to the clients, to the work that we're doing and understood not just a methodology, but the client side and how we delivered. Um, now, my brain is naturally wired for operations and for business. Um, so I gradually uh, morphed into various different hats and different roles um, within the agency and moved into our chief operating officer role. And so that gave me a good Um, expansion outside of just one service line and into the business on the executive team and understanding the financial aspects of the business, getting more exposure to the sales side and the client service side. So all of that and all the different hats I got to wear over these seven years, um, really set me up for a well-rounded view of the business. Hmm. So I wasn't coming in just siloed into the area that I was passionate about or that I had expertise in before, but really expanded that view. So I was thinking holistically about the business, not just about How do I make digital more successful here or um, any other facet of it? I was really looking at it holistically. And I think that was some of the best preparation I got was just that exposure and the different hats I wore.
0: Yeah. Sometimes our members, the founders, they have a hard time letting go.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, This is their baby. It's their life's work. You know, they have almost all of their net worth tied up in the firm. You know, their family is dependent upon the income the firm generates, et cetera, et cetera. It's really hard to let go. And this is one of the obstacles. You know, they they have to find and trust an Amy. How did you earn the trust of Renzi?
1: Oh, gracious. It's probably a question better geared towards him, but I can say it from my perspective Mm -hmm. was um, lots of conversations. Um, Also, I think entrepreneurs want to be able to pass the baton to somebody who will disagree with them, Mm. to somebody that will um, dive in on an idea or challenge an idea. Um, And I think one of the things that I was able to do is push back at the right ways um, when it needed to be to show that we could form ideas better together. Um, rather than being an order taker or just um, doing exactly, you know, what he had set out. And I think we we discovered that we could do things um, better when we collaborated. And I think that that started to instill trust um, that I could make decisions, that I could um, jump into a big vision idea, but I could also figure out how to tactically make it happen um, so that we weren't living in two different worlds all the time, or I wasn't just doing exactly what he said, but showed that I could make those decisions and lead a project through to completion without him having to hold my hand or be right there with me. Mhm.
0: Very good. Another question I want to ask you is that I mean the benefit to the founder of delegating strategic items to somebody like yourself is they now free up their time and they can amplify themselves and really go pursue the vision. These entrepreneurs these visionaries, they have a vision and they want to go after it, but very often that vision never materializes because there's just not enough hours in the day to go after it. But if they have a great partner like yourself and you can run the firm, they're now working on tomorrow's business while you're working on today's business. Now, that sounds great on paper. Where it breaks down oftentimes is the founder has one foot in the old way, one foot in the new way, and he or she keeps sticking his or her nose where it doesn't belong and what's required there is the partner you in this case has got to manage up it's got to get the founder out of the day-to-day because they muck it up when they jump back in so how do you manage up and what advice would you give others to do so
1: yeah absolutely you know i think it has been a journey. It's again, not an overnight shift that takes, um, a lot of conversation and it takes, um, having the right places to pull the founder in so that, they can have a voice where they should and where they want to. So I think that there's some strategic managing up of this would be a good opportunity to bring Renzi in or to have him lend his expertise, but quickly um, know how to transition it out of lending an idea to managing that all the way through. And so I think that that's the The art of it is knowing those right um, touch points for input, for collaboration, and for vision, Um, but making sure it's clear that the team is going to take it from there and actually go execute it or let it fall to the wayside if it should for the client or Mm -hmm. whatever that is. So I think that there's just those strategic elements that you need to be able to pull them in on um, so that you're feeding what's important to them um, and they don't feel completely disconnected, but you're not letting it linger for too long.
0: Yeah. You know, Saxum is what we refer to internally as a power member, and that's defined as a firm that joins as a team as opposed to an individual, and they do so for the things we're talking about today. So I've had lots of conversations with your peers, you know, the, um, the partner to the founder, and one of the frustrations I hear from them, and I want to kind of put you on the spot here, <laughs> is <laughs> the, the, the visionary founder is an idea machine. I mean, they have 10 ideas a day and they think every idea is the next great breakthrough idea and they keep firing off these ideas you know to their execution partner and the execution partner starts to say oh my gosh like first off how do we prioritize these some of these are crazy we shouldn't be spending time on this oh by the way there's a finite amount of money of people of hours in the day like how am i going to get all this done so how do you deal with the crazy entrepreneur who has too many ideas for his own good?
1: <laughs> um, we don't always get it right. Um, I'll say that first and foremost. We're not definitely the the perfect model student for that. But, um, you know... One of the things that we've been trying to work on is a standard language of prioritization so that we can have a matrix where we can say, we're going to strategically invest here, we're going to drive daily over here, and then we're going to delay some of these other things that may be great ideas, So let's put it in a delay um, category. And when we're done with something that we strategically invested in, and it's now daily operations, we can look at what comes in next, or we can stop doing something here because a better opportunity has come. Um, so we're working on that right now is how do we get that common language that focuses us as an executive team uh, but also gives a place for new ideas to come in and be evaluated against this finite set of man hours and resources and things that we could do Um, there's a lot of could but should is always our question and how do we weigh that in a way that is efficient and um business oriented and we take you know a little bit of the motion out of it um, so that we can weigh those and make better decisions
0: i like that that's a structured thinking towards prioritization a matrix Mm -hmm. if you will that's a really good idea okay my last question and then we'll wrap it up is let's talk about money budget so staying on this theme of this visionary founder with a ton of ideas and then he comes to you and says go execute all these things well some of these things take money and then there's a conflict because mm-hmm. the founder is pulling the money out of the business and paying himself. And then to go do some of these ideas he has, you know, he's going to make less because it's going to require investment. And usually these founders don't want to go to a bank or don't want to go to an investor. They've got to fund it through operating cash flow. So how do you reconcile you know, all the things that your founder wants to do with the hard truth of what the P&L says?
1: Yeah. Um, we are very aligned on what some of our core KPIs for the business are and those metrics. So that helps from the get-go of what's our profit margin, what's our people ratio that we're willing to have, what is you know investment and business development. So we have a lot of um, predefined and agreed upon metrics that we set that gives us a good rubric to make decisions against. And if an idea comes from anywhere, whether it's from us up to him or him coming in with an idea, the investment conversation comes with, we can't do it within our metrics. Are we willing to sacrifice one of these? Are we willing to take less profit for a period of time in order to fund that? Or do we wanna bring that in in a different way? Ours has typically been, we're willing to sacrifice profit um, to invest in a way. And we take those out of our kind of KPIs and metrics that we're measuring the success of the business on. Um, So we we come to alignment and agreement around how much we're willing to invest and what's the sacrifice to profit And if we can exceed that, then, you know, great for all of us. Um, But we at least have some alignment right there at the metric level.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Okay. Okay, listeners, I'm going to point you to a couple of resources. So first, if you're a founder and you don't have an Amy, you need to get one. And the best way to do that, in my humble opinion, is to read my new book, The Founder Bottleneck, How to Scale Yourself. And it's going to talk about how to identify a high potential employee and how to determine what to delegate, how to delegate it, and when to delegate it. So that would be step one. Step two would be, if you wanna take it to the next level and you wanna build a firm that doesn't depend on you, you should enroll your Amy or Amy's into Collective 54 and, and specifically have them master the boutique framework. And I'm proud to say that we've invested heavily and we now have a detailed how-to online training chapter by chapter with new exciting tools that so you can go do that so i would point you towards that when that comes out which should be in the first quarter of 2023 so get yourself an amy and invest in amy's development so that she can help you build a firm that doesn't depend on you so amy i, I could talk to you about this forever and i'm sure we'll have a chance to continue our dialogue i'm really looking forward to the friday session where we'll have the member Q and A. a i'm sure you're going to get a lot of questions there but Really appreciate you. I love having you in the group. It's I've had a chance to get to you know, know you here recently, and you're a shining star. And it's it's just great to have you in the, in the collective.
1: Wow, oh, well, thanks so much. I enjoy it as well.
0: OK, fantastic. All right, so if you are a founder or a leader of a boutique pro-serve firm, and you would like to belong to a community of peers and meet great people like Amy, consider joining Collective 54. And you can apply at collective54.com. If you're not ready just yet to join, but you want to educate yourself on topics like this and others, I'm going to suggest you subscribe to Collective 54 Insights. And there you'll find uh, benchmarking data. You'll find podcasts like this one. You'll find a great blog. We even have a best-selling book called How to Start, Scale, and Sell a Professional Services Firm. So you can find all all of that there at collective54.com. But until then, thanks for listening. And I uh, look forward to our next episode.